0: Thank you, Eric. Good morning, Church. Coming back to City Council Bluffs is literally like a family reunion for me, and it's actually eerily similar to my family's reunion that they have every year on the fourth of July. Like conversations pick up right where they left off from the previous year. You catch up. You do a lot of laughing. And you also get to awkwardly introduce yourself to all the new people that joined the family over the past year. All the people that have been invited for the first time. And what do you say? You say, hey, welcome to the family. This is how I'm related. And so, for anyone who doesn't know me, welcome to the family. This is how I'm related. I'm related to this church because in 2018, this church invested in me. This church saw all the kingdom potential that I had possibly, I didn't necessarily see it in myself, and they raised me up as a leader, and they sent me off to go help plant City Light Kansas City as a church planting resident. And then I was in Kansas City, helping plant City Light Kansas City for two years, and the Lord opened an opportunity after those two years to go be a pastor on staff with the kingdom movement in City Light Light Southwest Iowa as a pastor. And so we moved this past September, and I want to say it is Ridiculously exciting to be part of what God is doing down there right now. Right now, we're seeing really cool things happen as God is restoring and redeeming kind of the people who have been marginalized the outsiders, the oppressed, the hurting, the broken, the single parent, the addicted. And the cool thing is, they are finding healthy, gospel centered community, many of them for the first time in their life. I grew up in the church. And so I know, to some extent, that what a good, healthy community is like. And some of these people have never experienced it. People who have never been included. People who have never been invited. People who have never be- been deemed worthy of time, of investment. They've bought a lot of cultural lies about individualism in, in our cultures. And for the first time, so many of them are saying, hey, I need community. Community is a good thing. I'm not made to do life by myself. And the cool thing is they are being invited by people who once were like that. And now they're saying, hey, I've experienced Jesus. I've experienced God's community. I'm going to invite other people. And so people are experiencing good, healthy community for the first time in their life. We are seeing and we are equipping the people that we have to reach the people that we don't have. We have a lot of people who are just kind of raw, young, a little immature in their walk with Jesus, but they have a fiery passion for Jesus, and they are being raised up and equipped to do incredible work for the kingdom. It is fun to be a part of. Our church goal for this year is to have 1,200 hospitable meals, coffees, breakfasts, lunches, dinners, that sort of thing we want to be able to look around and see people and view people as God views people and love them as God loves them. And uh, hospitality ascribes value and worth to people. It declares them worth welcoming and investing in them. And the cool thing is, is we're seeing it disarm people. We're seeing people who had like, people who had held people at arm's length. We're seeing people because of hospital meals, inviting people over for dinner. We're seeing people Put their arms down and say, hey, I want, I want to be part of this. The fear, it eases the fears of past rejection, and it lets them know that this place and these people are different. And so just like Jesus, we are making meals a priority. So far, we are well on our way. We have about 500 hospitable meals. We have a really cool, I should have put it up there, we have a really cool board that when you come on a Sunday, if you had a hospitable meal through the week, you fill in. It's a really cool mosaic. It's super exciting. Our church does food really, really well, so to see them use that gift and advance it for the kingdom is really fun to be a part of. So much of what God is doing is just the simple, daily, faithful trusting of God to work. Nothing too big, nothing really flashy, just waiting, watching, and being faithful to see God show up. So I could go on and on about the cool things that God is doing, but I get to stand here today and say, hey, I'm affected and other people are affected. Lives are being changed because of the legwork of so many of you guys to raise up leaders like me um, in your guys' lives and ministry. So I love you. I thank you. But as Eric said, since I've been to Council Bluffs, there have been some life events that have happened. Um, most notably, last year, as Eric said, I got married. I got married. And if We talk about families. After three years of being married you really begin to understand the nuances of the family that you have entered into. Am I right? Have you guys experienced that? Like the, char- the characteristics, the values, the rhythms and routines of daily life. So for me, I entered into the Fremstad family. My name is still Keller, but I still entered into that. My name is Matt Keller, not Matt Fremstad. So I've learned what it means to be and act as a Fremstad family member. Here's some of the things that I've learned. I've learned that you have to acknowledge any dog that you see. You have to point out like, hey, look, look at the dog. You have to do that. You better know how to get your game face on because they love playing games. You need to love Culver's, you need to love pizza, and you need to enjoy winding down at the end of the night watching a British mystery show. They love their British mystery shows. You need to have a sense of humor and be able to laugh at yourself, because they kind of have a slapstick, witty, don't take life too seriously outlook. Now, I kid around about some of that stuff, but when it comes to the top priorities of being a Fremstad, dad, they love Jesus, and they think about others as a reaction to their love of Jesus. At any store that they go to, they will point out stuff at that store that reminds them of somebody that they know and care about, and they will buy it, for them. Like that was revolutionary to me. My family did not grow up doing that. They care about each other's likes and dislikes, and they will sacrifice for them. They share their resources so well. So, after three years of living in and out of the Fremstad household, I have grown in my understanding of the family that I have entered into. Now, I will say I am still learning. I am still learning, but. I know the expectations of how to best fit in. If you were to go hang out with the Fremstads, if you were to go hang out with my wife's family, I can give you insight into how to make the most of your experience. Maybe you have been invited by somebody at City Light, or yeah, maybe maybe you are the one that has been inviting people. You know what it's like to say, hey, here's the expectations of what a Sunday morning looks like. This is what it's going to be. This is what it's going to be like. Here's how to make the most of your experience. Now, I say all that to say that is the same principle that Peter is trying to communicate in 1 Peter 2. Peter has the experience with Jesus and and being a part of the family of God. And he's going to use some word pictures and some images to communicate to any new Christian of his day what life is like in belonging to God's family of people. So any new insider, any new person that's been invited to the family can understand what it means to be a part of God's family. So in today's passage, the word pictures that Peter uses are the temple and the priests. The temple and the priest. He tells us that as part of God's kingdom, we are a new temple built on the foundation of Jesus and we are a new kingdom of priests who are serving God as representatives to the nation to the nations. Now, we don't really have images of Old Testament temples and priests so much in our day and age. So let me simplify so we can best remember. Here are the two things that I want you to remember this morning. When you are part of God's family, you are a holy house and you are a bodybuilder, all right? You are a holy house and you are a bodybuilder. Let me tell you what I mean. I know that kind of sounds crazy and out there. Read with me verse 4. It says, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as spiritual houses. God's intention, God's desire, his hope from the very beginning in the garden was to have a personal relationship with his people. The whole world was God's house to do this until sin and shame got in the way from us being able to experience God to the fullest. Maybe you've experienced that in your own personal life. However, God still wanted to live and rule amongst his people even though we couldn't freely do this. So the question is, How does a God who does not live in man-made buildings, who you can't confine to walls, live with his people? How does he do it so that his people could experience his presence? Well, it was a process, all right? God started by saying, hey, Moses, here are some instructions. I want you to build the tabernacle. I think we have a picture of it. Just so you have a mental picture of what they would have been, what Peter would have been trying to communicate it was a large tent where God's presence would be portable wherever the Israelite people would go. Now God, for the first time since the garden, would have a resting place amongst his people in a tangible way. Then, years later, again it was a process, years later, God allowed David and Solomon to build a temple. The temple where his presence, I have a picture of that too, where his presence would be more permanent. His presence would be permanent with his people, so they would not, it would not be mobile. But he was still concealed. He was still kind of unrevealed and confined to his people to one physical location. But that's not how God left it. That is not how God left it. God came in the life of Jesus and lived with his people. God himself In the life of jesus came to this earth and lived with his people now you would think that that is the pinnacle right like oh yeah like that's what god was trying to set up again like god coming to earth living with his people but after his death and resurrection he didn't stick around jesus told his disciples that when he leaves when he goes back to the father the presence of god would be available to all people Because the Holy Spirit would come and live and dwell inside people. We are, if you've put your faith in God, we are a personal, portable, and permanent dwelling place of God. Jesus replaced the old temple with himself, and now we are like many temples that God longs to live in. You and me are many temples. Peter's picture here is that God is building a spiritual house in us, set apart and different from the world using living stones. Living stones are people, you and me. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you have been made into a holy house. The Spirit of God lives inside of you. He takes up residence just like the tabernacle. It's a beautiful picture. Now, growing up, I had a few different types of friends. I had friends who were my outside friends. We'd scooter all over the town. Yes, I said scooter. We didn't bike. We scootered all over the town. We would go to the park. We would build forts. But they would never, ever come inside my house. Then I had the friends who would come over and be in my house maybe once or twice a year. Now, usually that was twisting my parents' arm or asking with my friend like Billy, Billy's standing right here. Hey, Mom and Dad, can Billy come over and hang out inside? And they have no other choice but to say yes, because he's awkwardly standing right there. So I also had those friends. But then I had friends who would have sleepovers all the time. And they would eat meals with my family. And I would go over to their house and eat meals with their family. And I'd go places with them, and they'd go places with us. I would go to their house, hang out with their family. We'd go to the diner late at night and hang out and then go back to my house. We were all over. Those were the 24-7 hour a day relationships. I think that is what Peter's talking about here. that's what it's like with this house that God is building inside you and inside me. God has given us the full access relation, relationship to his house by building us into his house. He's done more than invite us to his house. He's making a home in us. It's far more personal, far more personal. And I love that the story of this church is full of people who have said, yes, yes, Jesus, you can take up residence in me, my heart, and in my life. I want the full access relationship with you. Come, here it is. I'm all yours. And you guys, as a result of that, have personally experienced God taking up residence in you by restoring and redeeming your life. And he, in response, has given you his heart, his eyes, his ears, and his hands for the world. It's a beautiful picture. As part of the family of God, your identity and your position is God's holy house. Maybe you're asking the question this morning, what does that look like? Like, what is the purpose of being a holy house? What is Peter trying to communicate with all of this? Peter's trying to communicate that we actually get to join up with God and play a role in his cosmic restoration project as body builders. We are body builders, And again, Peter's going to use imagery from the Old Testament priesthood to clue us in to what that means for us as members of God's family. And here's what he says in verse five. You yourselves are like living stones being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now drop down to verse nine. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. That is good news for us this morning, because before Jesus made a way for all humans to experience God's presence directly, in the Old Testament, only priests were allowed to enter his presence. Only priests. And even they had to approach God in a very certain particular way because God's holy presence was not something to mess around with. Now, I've never met the Queen of England. All right? I'm really hoping to. Eric reminded me, time's ticking because she's kind of getting older. I, I'm i really hoping to meet her one day. Now, from what I understand, before you meet the Queen of England, you need to learn some basic rules of proper etiquette of what to do, what not to do, what to say, and what not to say when you are in her presence. The basic rule is to not be chummy, as they say on the other side of the pond, all right? Don't be chummy. Don't be overly familiar. Respect and proper formality are absolutely essential when you talk to the queen. The job of going into God's presence and representing the people as a priest was a tall task. Priests were held to a high standard. If you were chummy in God's presence, you could die. Like, that's how serious it was. This is key because our God is different. We are held to a high standard. If we're chummy, God's glory, God's glory is not to be chummy with. And God's calling us into this priesthood. These priests had four main roles. And this morning, I just want to talk about two of them. All right? They had just two of them. First, they put God on display for the people. The priest dressed differently. Like, I think I have a priest, like, that is different. When you look at that priest, if you're an Israelite, you're reminded, oh yeah, our people, our God is different. They pursued a different economy. They had limits on their lifestyle. And again, it's key because our God Is different. He is set apart. When you look at the priest, you're reminded of the oddity of God's love. Secondly, their job was to distribute resources to those in need the oppressed, the marginalized, the outsider. In every society, there is always extra and there is always a need. And the priest, what the priest would do is that they would take some of the extra from what was given and they would distribute it to the people that would come to the temple. It It was an act of justice, an act of grace and mercy. That is the two ways they served. It was a high honor, high risk, high reward job. And the job of the priest was actually a picture of what Jesus would do perfectly years later. Jesus put God on full display when he was on earth. Jesus perfectly distributed resources, both physical and spiritual resources to the oppressed the outsider, in the needy, which we once were. And because of his death and resurrection, the Old Testament priesthood, as they knew it, was no longer necessary. Sacrificing animals for sin, just, you didn't need to do it anymore because the great high priest stepped in and made the ultimate sacrifice. People could now come directly to God through the great high priest in Jesus. So now, these priests... They're out of a job. They're no longer needed. But the amazing thing is, the amazing thing is, in a crazy turn of events, what Peter tells us is now this is our job. This is our job. We are priests. We're invited to the royal priesthood. It's a special privilege to be invited and to be selected for this position. You and I are chosen for a purpose. The Spirit of God indwells you and me and us as a community of believers. We are collectively being built up as the body of Christ to fulfill these priestly roles. God does the work of building, but He wants to use our holy houses to be body builders. Now, if you've put your faith in Christ, you are a body builder. The Spirit lives within you, you are a living stone. Built onto the holy house of God, and as living stones, you—you guys have an inside role in helping this, in helping build this holy building project that is made up of giving glory to God, restoring what was broken, bringing His kingdom to this earth in Council Bluffs, and putting things back in order. Think of a mammoth. Think of all the mammoth structures built of stone the Great Wall of China, the Roman Colosseum, and the Great Pyramids. Think of those structures. When you look at those, each stone plays a role in the grand, beautiful structure. Each one holds its weight. Each one gives stability. Each one adds protection and and just adds to the grandeur. It takes a million of these stones to complete the structure. What God does in and through all of us together is part of his mammoth purpose, his mammoth structure that he is building. We are each one of these living stones connected to the cornerstone in Jesus. But we cannot build something great for God if, like a stone, we sit alone, off to the side, unattached to the structure. Even the most simple stone structures, like Stonehenge, rely on each other for beauty, stability, and structure. It all happens in community. We stay attached to the community. We get to fulfill the God-honoring work of a priest because of Jesus in our lives. You play a role. It takes all of us. It takes all of our unique giftings and abilities, all of our wirings. Because as a master builder, God has a blueprint. He is a unique layout for his creation of you and me and how he wants us to look individually as holy temples and collectively as one large temple. And when we give him access, when, he, when we give him access, he is dedicated to his building project. In the process of building the foundation of Jesus and to the end, all of the finishing touches, the minutia he is involved with. The builder does not change. The builder does not change. He is faithful and confident. If something breaks inside the house or falls apart, he refines it and he fixes it. He restores the brokenness. The builder knows the house inside and out. The nooks, the crannies. He restores the brokenness of all the little hidden spaces that have been forgotten about. The builder adds a unique touch to each one of his houses. Other people can tell who built the house. But the, per- the, the house also has a purpose. It has an identity. It has a personality. A house has many rooms, many purposes, many gifts and desires that get to be explored. A house has doors that let people in. It has a table where people eat at and converse together a house has a community that's that holds friends and family a house lives in community with its next door neighbors and people around the block a house has a foundation rooted in cement and poured by the builder himself a house goes through wear and tear experiencing the hot summer sun the wind of the fall the snow of the winter the rain of the spring pandemics House goes through ups and downs, ins and outs. It is a beautiful thing. It holds good memories and bad memories. A house endures. It supports and protects. It takes a lot of different houses to reach a lot of different people. It takes a lot of different people to reach a lot. I'm sorry. It takes a lot of different churches, a lot of different people to reach a lot of different people with the good news Of Jesus. I may be a preacher in Southwest Iowa, but on the average, I get to come and spend time with somebody on your staff or somebody in your church about once a week. I am up here a lot because I love this church and I love these people so much. And I constantly get to hear stories and see how God is working in the lives of this church. So many of you have said yes to Jesus being the cornerstone, and you guys have embraced these priestly roles this with this priestly mindset and here's how I've seen you guys put God on display as a priest you guys live differently than the world you live differently than the world when a group of guys wakes up early on Saturday mornings to be known by other guys to be completely honest with the joys and the struggles of life to confess sins To speak the truth in love and the truth of the gospel to one another. To learn about God. To sharpen one another and point each other towards transformation in Jesus. That's different. That is different than the world. You as a church display the hope of God. You guys display the love from God. The joy in God. In your genuine care about others' relationships with Jesus. You guys are in the trenches with hard people to love, the lost, the hurting, the broken. You guys are bridging the gap between their lives and God. You are listening to other people share their stories without interjecting. Like you're just listening and hearing their struggles, their pain. You're listening to the Spirit as well. And you're pleading to the Holy Spirit as you pray for other people. And that's allowing you, that's setting you up to engage in unique ways. It's putting you in unique positions to lovingly share the good news of Jesus in a way that they will understand and be receptive to. That's a bodybuilder. That's putting the love of God on display. See, like Council Bluffs, well done. Well done. The other way is I've seen you guys distribute resources just like priests really, really well whether it be COVID, whether it be house fires, whether it be Children's Square, the Micah House, people moving houses, city group outs, living on mission, events at the church. You guys are quick and incredibly generous to distribute resources to those in need. Your time, your energy, your financial resources. Because you are kingdom body builders. When the world is focused on self-preservation, Self-interest, self-glorification, you guys are saying, hey, let's deny ourselves. Let's pile our money together and let's spend it on raising up more leaders and planting more churches. Like, hey, those people have spiritual needs so we can be open-handed with our money. Let's help those people in Kansas City, in West Council Bluffs, in in Southwest Iowa. Let's help them get good, healthy, gospel-centered community. You guys are all in with your financial resources. Guys, I commend you. I celebrate you. And I challenge you, don't stop. This is what it means to be a priest. This is what it means to be a body builder. Your trust and influence completely changes the trajectory of a whole lot of people's lives, including myself. So thank you. Keep going. Keep running the race. I love coming here and celebrating the work that God has done, is doing, and wants to continue to do. So many people here have put their full yes on the table when it comes to Jesus. And If you're new here, this is what we do. This is what God's people do. The reason that we have become holy houses and bodybuilders in the first place is because we have been chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work. Chosen to be a holy, set-apart, collective people. God's instruments to do His work and to speak out for Him and to love others. To tell others about the night and day difference that He has made in our lives. Because we went from nothing to something. We went from being rejected, outsiders, stones being set all by themselves, to being accepted and part of God's huge project. It's not for our name, it's not for our glory, it's not for our safety, our protection, our rights. It's to proclaim his excellence. It's to make his name famous. It's to partner with his work. And we want to invite you to that building project. We want to invite you into this awesome building projects of God. Would you accept that invite? This morning. Because in this passage there are two responses to the invitation that Jesus has this morning. There's two invitations in verses 6 and 7. You can build your life with the cornerstone of Jesus or you can trip over it and fall. And We as a church, a collective C church, big C church, God's church, and little C church, local City like Council Bluffs church, We pray this morning that you would pick up the stone and build your foundation with it. Would you accept the invite and allow him, the cornerstone, Jesus, God himself, to make his home in you for a far greater purpose than anything you could live on your own and build your own. Guys, I want to remind us this morning as I close out, this is good news. This is good news this morning, because we are his house, his building project. God has a unique layout for each one of us as we become bodybuilders. Each of us has different gifts, different purposes, different desires that we get to use to bless the world around us. We as a church are his house, a community inviting others in, Feasting at the table together, experiencing life together, living in his glory as the builder. And through it all, through it all, the ups, the downs, the insides and outs, the builder never abandons his creation. He returns again and again and again and again. Would you guys pray with me this morning? Creator God, we thank you that you have come in the form of Jesus, in the life of Jesus. And we thank you this morning that you have invited us into your holy building project. From the beginning, of the Bible, we see that you are a creator. And you have invited us in. Both saying, hey, you are holy houses that I want to be personal and dwell in you permanently. And you have gone ahead of us and said, hey, I want you to. Partner with me in what I'm doing. You play an important role in this. And we just thank you for that. We thank you for the invitation. This morning, I pray that we take that seriously and we confess the areas of our life where we're not giving you access to what you want to do. And where we have not necessarily partnered with you and we've kind of done our own thing and we've built our own structures. And we say, God, we want to join up with you and what you're doing. I thank you that there is a church here that is leading the way in denying themselves, denying their building plans, their building projects and saying, God, what do you want? What do you want in our holy houses? What do you want in your massive holy house? And how can we join in? And I thank you for their response in saying, Lord, it's all yours. Would that continue to be the response of us this morning? Would there be people that come across our path, even this morning, that say, I've been building my own life with my own building plans, with my own house. And I need to hand over to the master builder. Because he can build something in me that's far greater. So would there be a response this morning? Would there be a response to people in our lives because they see that we are different. We are set apart. We are priests living out the priestly roles. King Jesus, we thank you. We love you, we praise you, we give you all the glory.